up, Mabel! Sit down, Mabel! Welcome back to the Film Ireland podcast on what I believe was our last episode. You heard our top tens of um, 2019. Is that correct, Sarah? Am I correct in thinking that? Yes. Yeah. So welcome to this next episode where we'll do our top tens of 2020 because a year has somehow passed. Am I right in thinking that we were due to record the next episode of this the day we went into lockdown? Yeah. Like the that, exact day. I think that is right. And uh, oh no, actually, it might have been a day or two before because uh, I was supposed to see Sea Fever instead. Oh, Diff was on there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or whatever it's called. What's it called these days? Is it still Diff? A Diff? A Diff, I think. Yeah. A Diff. Actually, I think Diff was probably, or A Diff was probably the last thing I saw in cinemas before mm. this. I think I saw Radioactive, and that was probably the last thing I saw in cinemas. Little God, Tenet. Wow. Well, actually, I've been three times now since March, but I saw St. Maud last week, but we'll get to that in the top tens. Um, yeah. But back in like August, I saw Tenet and Baby Teeth, and I'm not crying either of those films. Baby Teeth actually, especially, was just very. I didn't like it. Okay, I have not heard about this, so it's I the, the funny thing is, it's got I forget the actress's name. She plays the <laughs> the one that dies in Little Women, whatever, whichever of the sisters that is. She's Australian, is she? Yes, she is Australian, mm-hmm. and she was in Sharp Objects the miniseries based okay. on the, yeah, where, where her mother is trying to kill her and then baby thief she has cancer and dies. Oh, so I think oh she's hard with just typecast as dying children. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's one of those cancer kid movies that starts off as not a cancer kid movie where it's oh, like, wow. oh, she's just finding her teenage groove and having a good time with this like idiot dealer friend of hers. Wow. And then it's like, oh, well, she has cancer and she's going to die horribly. Like, oh, God's sake. I'm sure people were wow. moved by it. I thought it was just incredibly unsubtle and uh, anyway look at us reviewing movies it's like yeah, no time has passed at all uh i was nearly thinking of, of gaslighting our audience and being like you, we, we've been doing this all year where, where have you been yeah, but, your, yeah all your things have failed to record or download um i suppose i might as well just quickly review tenet while i've mentioned it because mm. you didn't see it and yeah. maybe you shouldn't bother i always forget with you and nolan do you have a hatred towards Nolan and indifference and agnosticism I, I definitely did not enjoy Inception because I did approach it not really knowing his stuff and thinking mm. like this is supposed to be the, the new big thing which it was but it just wasn't very interesting like I, I just thought it's supposed to be depicting dreams but all the dreams are like weirdly the same and they're just like slightly exciting movie fantasies that was kind of my, my introduction and everything has been a kind of it's been a bit underwhelming but at the same time I think at this point uh, yeah I'm kind of indifferent and happy to I enjoyed Dunkirk mm. I think as long as you don't, as I approached it without too much expectation it's it's grand that seems fair uh, I know I went through my period my mandatory period as a, a male who did film studies of being like a massive fanboy of his in I want to say the early 2010s or probably mm. earlier than that maybe even uh, I really went off on the last few years I thought Dunkirk was also great but like Interstellar mm. was not Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises, yeah, whatever. It's got merits. Um, Tenet is. I've seen a lot of people defending it. Not a lot of people, but I've seen some people defend it in a way that it, they're saying that Nolan's kind of very self-aware and sort of almost trolling his audience. Which I say, fair enough. I respect taking two hundred million dollars of Warner Brothers money <laughs> and making like a massive like middle finger to your audience. But at the same time, we have to watch that movie. And if you mm. can't hear any of the dialogue, then you can't hear any of the dialogue. Whether or not you're making a point about Nolan's films being dialogue heavy or not. Yeah. Like I, I people have said like Interstellar and Dark Knight Rises had a similar problem with the audio mix where 
it was indecipherable and i agree like bane was a bit you know mm. certain memes here but i thought they were largely fine tennis was literally the first time in a cinema where i was like i wish i'd gone to a closed caption screening because i missed i would wow. say a solid 30 percent of the dialogue and it's just it's like that's crazy that's yeah. <laughs> unforgivable um and even what dialogue you could understand or what the plot you could make out it's fine mm. um like it's nice seeing it was nice seeing that film in a cinema after so many months of not being in a cinema because it's it's very it's very big and loud and it's very much a movie capital m stunt wise mm-hmm. and stuff but it's just i don't know i think he has willingly or ironically or whatever you want to call it very much gone up his own arse mm. and it's it's fine i think it's it's definitely of the ilk of inception more than anything else mm. uh, i don't think it's as innovative as inception which as we just established mightn't, mightn't even be that innovative uh so i think I'm kind of sad you didn't see it because I feel you might have like mm. ripped a new one and that would have been fun after a year of no Sarah Cullen trademark hot takes, uh, which we might get to later on. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, my, my, one, my one question about the movie is mm-hmm. does it start and end with the same shot? No, and that surprised oh, me. I was expecting it. I, yeah, I thought it would do that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think everyone kind of thought like, because it's about time inversion, it would literally end with like the yeah. start of the movie. And I think that, he, that would have been a more interesting film if they just did done like a at the halfway point it switches and you see the whole film again in reverse or Ooh, some manner. that, that would have been fun that might have been good yeah i just presumed like tonight is it's a palindrome so yeah. you know <laughs> okay <laughs> never mind well yeah i mean thinking about it i suppose one of the characters who's revealed late on to kind of have been from the future or whatever it does sort of end where their story starts at the start of the movie so i guess it kind of does loop in that way but it's not okay it's not overt enough to be like the same shock i think mm-hmm um, what I found funny was I hadn't watched The Night Manager before I saw Tenet and we got to chat during my lockdown catch up and I was like oh similar plot to Tenet oh the lead in this looks a lot like Elizabeth Debicki that is Elizabeth Debicki Ooh. so she's just playing the exact same character wow. like word for word almost in The Night Manager and then whatever three years later four years later Tenet which is wow. quite funny and very very weird so I guess before we get into films of, of merit or do we or, or not mm. uh, any, anything any extraneous films just throw in to talk about yeah i was gonna ask you actually kind of what kind of films did you watch generally in lockdown or like was there did you find yourself uh you know watching any kind of particular genre or anything i don't know like i actually (laughs) avoided new releases for the longest Mm. time not for any particular reason i just ended up catching up on a lot of tv shows and stuff Mm -hmm. um and then in the last week when we were recording this i better like catch up on films for this year and then have opinions on them and end up watching a lot of quite bleak horror films okay and most of my top 10 you'll see it when I get to it it's mm. just horror films that manage to actually genuinely creep me out but also have some kind of depressing mm-hmm. social commentary subtext um, yeah. so I guess those I'm trying to think what I would have watched yeah because even stuff like that you kind of advised me to watch like Palm Springs and Bavaria I didn't watch them until like the last two weeks okay weeks ago. I didn't see them at the time which I know were considered like prime lockdown movies because they inadvertently foreshadowed mm. the world <laughs> true um, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like expressly seek out or not seek out anything. So I'm afraid my answer is very dull of a shrug. I don't. I don't know what my <laughs> my go-to yeah. kind of film was. No, that's grand. It was just I'm curious because I, I found myself watching almost exclusively home invasion narratives. Oh, in that's good. That's what you want. <laughs> it was sort of me realizing like they're they're kind of I think they're they're doing exactly what they're intended to right now. Mm. Make you know boring middle class people's lives be a little bit like more exciting for a while without actually putting them in any danger so um yeah i, I 
Yeah, what I, I, I watched actually, uh, well, Don't Breathe. I hadn't seen it yet. I really enjoyed that. I haven't watched that one actually yet. That yeah, came that, up that during the summer. I was meant to watch it too. So that's, mm, we could have almost talked about that one. Yeah, there. But actually, was it, it wasn't even this year, was it? It was a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, no, it was a few years ago. I think. Yeah, yeah. The other kind of interesting thing about the year, well, no, yes, there's one more interesting thing about the year. And that was um, all the franchises that didn't happen. Mm. Um, do you, do you like me suspect that they all knew something? <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. my only thought on that area was I was thinking this week that I, I'm pretty sure it was this week last year the first trailer came out for like Black Widow, Wonder Woman 2, and Bond. Ooh, and wow. here we are a year later, like these films will never exist. Uh, but yeah, your conspiracy theory is also good. Maybe in conjunction with Disney Plus and, and yeah. Zoom, they were all just planning on this. Exactly, yeah. Zoom, we know you're, you're listening. <laughs> They're watching, but yeah, we're off the camera right now, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can still see us. Yeah. Yeah, it was certainly um, an interesting year for film in the wrong way, probably, but still, there you go. Endgame mm-hmm. was fine, and Star Wars was bad. Mm-hmm. But really, yeah. does Star Wars ever end? As the, the recent Disney, what was it, um, investor meeting show, they have like 17 new Disney Plus shows coming five more films star wars forever and ever never ends wow i I actually yeah i i actually thought that they were going to go more tv than films i kind of Mm. but i I guess obviously they're they're not they're just going to do everything forever um yeah unless those films all come out on disney plus exclusively in which case yeah Mm -hmm. pretty disappointing end to the the trilogy which could have been quite good but it wasn't there we go. It, no, I mean, I still think the Last Jedi sort of managed to be both a second and third part. That felt like the end of a trilogy. The way that film ends, like that felt like the way you yeah. would end a third film. So like, yeah. I'm happy to just in my head think that's where it stopped. It just didn't yeah. go further than that. Very true. Yeah. Much as I love Ian McDermott, he just he didn't need to be back, and he wasn't very good or mm. well used. Um, look at us having <laughs> Star Wars takes a year later. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Did you see cats while we're talking about timely things? No, I I, I didn't. Did you not? You didn't an entire year manage to see it. Like, don't yeah. watch it. But wow, I'm surprised you avoided it. Yeah, I think it, I don't know. I think it was just it was something that I just thought I, I'm not going to be able to. It's sit a waste of it, year. So I I didn't. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, some people got a lot of joy out of it. I think some people went in with certain, shall we say, additional substances and quite enjoyed it. Like I saw it New Year's Day. <laughs> quite tired a bit hungover and just had a very bad time so mm-hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it unless you're going in yes either drunk or high or i don't know okay sleep deprived or lacking in oxygen to the brain or something i don't know uh so i guess we'll we'll jump in with our our not quite top tens our special mentions and then talk about those as we go um well the person i is little women and i know little women's mm. also in your similarly not quite top 10 so uh Little Women. Let's briefly talk again. This is technically a film from last year that we mm. came out here this year, so it's almost truly out of date. Uh, I will just say that I, this is the first version of that story I've ever encountered. Like I've never read the book, I haven't seen any previous versions, and I really liked it. Oh, cool! Um, but from what I understand, the film is actually technically two books. Is it? Mm. You know these yeah. things more than I would. Yeah, it's um, because of the way that Greta Gerwig's version plays it it's kind of hard to figure it out because mm. you, it's usually played chronologically but yeah so basically the, you, you could probably figure out the, the two overlapping uh, storylines that are going on like usually the, the the first book ends when beth doesn't die 
uh, and then basically starts again four years later w- when she well just eventually yeah. <laughs> um uh, someone who's seen quite a few versions now that it was quite a clever way of doing it yeah the, the way that they did it really made parallels between the two mm. parts that you maybe miss if if you don't look at them that way um and also yeah it did just kind of keep things more enjoyable like like not not that i don't enjoy the the other ways it's been done but i think it was really clever to kind of shake it up chronologically christopher nolan i'm sure is very happy <laughs> as well uh, tenant is secretly an homage to little women that's but they're all dead at the start. That's the way it works in these movies. Oh, yeah. They're all married off and then dead. Uh, and also, of course, the the now very memeable and famous Bob Odenkirk appearance, which was just delightful. <laughs> yeah. Like, I remember watching it, I, like, I had that reaction, like, oh, wow, it's Bob Odenkirk. But I didn't think, like, everyone had that reaction. That was just a really weird thing to yeah. see. And all went, oh, wow, Bob Odenkirk's briefly in this. Like, why do we all care so much? Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's such a, an, an interesting actor in, in terms of his, like, arc because mm. um like I, I don't know that people know him much before breaking bad like i presume that's when most people yeah i didn't know him before that anyway yeah there's just like a rake there's a, a you know group of actors who, who came from um tim and eric awesome show type adult swim shows are you looking forward to um what's it, is it called nobody the film he's in next year where it is like his taken his john wick oh whoa. i don't know if i heard about that that's great I haven't watched it earlier. It came out like last week, I think. But yeah, he, apparently he's been like two years training for this, which is bizarre. He's, wow. he's he's an older gentleman. He's neat doing this kind of thing. Yeah. And like, is it serious then? I don't know. I guess maybe he just wants to do it for the hell of it. Because like he's at a point in his career where he doesn't need to be doing these kind of films. So I guess if, yeah. if he's doing one, it's because he just wants to do an action film, I suppose. Okay. Um, but yeah, more more power to him. Wow. Bob Odenkirk. Good. He's a good little women father. Well done. Uh, thank you for finding a way back to that because I was like, how do we get to the women? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that little women. Um, next on my one is Palm's Rings, which I know is in your actual mm. top 10, so we'll, we'll get to that then. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and then I think, did you also have Sea Fever in your yeah. special mentions? Okay, so Sea Fever, mm-hmm. uh, our first Irish film of the yeah. night. Yeah. The nice, what are we talking about? Um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I suppose everyone was kind of talking about it as being alien, but on a boat in mm. the Irish Sea, which is not inaccurate. Um, mm. I thought it had some nice, like, Lovecrafty vibes to it. And speaking of Little Women, it had an ending that I was like, yes, why don't more films end like this? Where it's, it's I don't really want to spoil it, but I don't know how else to talk about it. Um, but like, I think a lot of those kind of films, especially if it was made in America, it would have a much more yeah. happy ever after, like She well, Leaves or something. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking about the ending as well, because I came cl- across another uh, film in, in lockdown, and it was mm-hmm. a Netflix film called The Beach House. It's kind of I've heard about similar. this. I haven't watched it yet, though. Yeah, like, it's not as good, but it like I was actually just thinking it's similar kind of themes. Oh, yeah, like, but and also the protagonist is also, I think, a, like a biology student of some type. Right. Um, But I was thinking that, like, as much as like yeah the ending of sea fever is not necessarily all positive or anything it's all i also kind of found it i'm not even sure how to say it but basically it's terrible but it's not hopeless either no it's her choice and it's very much it's yeah. the right it's the right thing yes. or the the beach house ends with basically the yeah protagonist who like i guess is probably dead at this point but basically just saying to the camera like don't be afraid don't be afraid and i think going back to even um the girl with all the gifts mm. like it seems like there's maybe a little bit of a 
theme of the idea of like, well, you know, we kind of have to prepare for the worst and maybe we have to figure out ways to be okay with that. Yep, whatever could you be referring to, Sarah, in that kind of analogy? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, it's just silly films, so mm-hmm. they, they don't mean anything. Just you bringing politics into things again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I agree with you. That's actually a very, I think, a very sensible way of looking at it. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but that's, that's yeah, that's mm. correct. Um, I think it also had some good moments of, like, creepiness and gore mm. and yeah. Do Grey Scott attempting valiantly and failing a, an Irish accent, which was always fun to hear. I was trying to, I was wondering, like, it's kind of very diverse cast. I thought it sort of seemed, appro- like, I, I didn't actually know where he was supposed to be from. Oh, God, no. Like, <laughs> maybe um, to see the West, maybe? Yeah. Or was he maybe from Northern Ireland? There was basically kind of people from all, all over it. Kind mm. of, I guess, kind of worked as a melting boat pot? <laughs> <laughs> a melting boat is not the same ring as melting pot. No, it seems a lot more no. uh, aggressive and negative. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was odd to have him and uh, what was his name? Connie Britton? Is it? No, Connie... Wonder Woman's man from Wonder Woman, the yeah, first one. Yeah, I forgot yeah. his name, Connie something. Um, uh, we, we finally hit back on our... Now we're on, now we're on tracks there. I've forgotten names again. Right. We have laptops yeah. in front of us. Con- <laughs> I'm going to Google her name. Connie, Connie Nelson, Nelson her, thank yeah. you. Who's Connie Britton? Doesn't matter. Um... Yeah, so the fact that the, I think her accent wasn't quite as dodgy, but it was mm. odd. Like it was odd to have the two of them because they're both fairly big names, which is not like yeah, yeah. People made the film. It's, it's a surprise they got them, and then also that they you know attempted the accent. Yeah, but um, actually, funny we were talking yesterday. I think it was, yeah, basically because of Wild Mountain Time, mm-hmm. trying to think of people who actually do of, of non-Irish people who do good Irish accents, and the main character is played by. Uh, Hermione Cofield, I think, was her name, and she she's um she's English, is and she? I yeah, and I did oh. not think so. No, <laughs> I, I very I. much believe she would have been uh, Irish. So yeah, she she did a great job. Um, I mean, no, yeah, a real normal people of an actress then. That's yeah, no, so fair play to her. I feel like Sea Fever might have made my top ten, but it re it and it did exactly what it was supposed to do, and it really got under my skin. Like I I oh. found it I found it quite hard to enjoy. Like it was a great film, but I just. I kind of couldn't sit still while watching it or something. I wish I had seen it in cinema because I only saw it on like VOD. Um, I imagine it probably would have been a lot more intense mm. and interesting in cinema. Uh, but I agree. Like I, I think, given what I presume are probably inevitable budget limitations, I thought it was mm. very effective. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. More, more power to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, why not throw me some of your runners up? Actually, yeah, I'll go for um, uh, Death Ranch. Which was I've not heard of this. Um, this is um, one I came across on the IFI Horrorthon. So this is like sort of neo grindhouse about three African American siblings who are on the run from the law and take refuge in, in like an abandoned ranch in Tennessee, uh, only to discover that it's like the hunting grounds for the KKK who are also cannibals. Oh wow! Uh, didn't think the title would be quite so like literal and no, B movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I must watch this one. Yeah, um, no, it's it's really great. It's quite a short runtime as well. It's like it's very zippy, but in a in a good way, and it's quite funny as well. There's like one ca- one character in particular who was kind of yeah the idiot member of the KKK who's like you know took the longest time to like die and stuff, and um, they, like it was just it, like really really entertaining um, as well as like really satisfyingly like gory and everything is so yeah it was just like a great fun halloween watch so hopefully if, if you do yeah if you do watch it like please let me know because i think it was just a lot of fun i'm gonna make note of it in my little list of films watch at some point 
Death Ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd meant to check out the IFI's, what's it called, IFI at Home, isn't it? Uh, yeah. More. I only kind of really properly looked at it like last week, again, mm-hmm. while trying to catch up on films. Um, but it is a very good resource. I'm glad they yeah. have that, I think. Yeah, it's great. That is the only thing I will say that I, I feel like, on balance, a lot of like the smaller cinemas will probably survive this a lot better than the bigger ones. True, actually, yeah. I feel like yeah. the lighthouse and stuff, they've been used to like day-in-day day release with VOD for a few years now mm. with like, these little arty films. Where I think they're probably better suited to weather this kind of storm, whereas, you know, the cinema world of this world can't survive without 10 yeah. more Bruce and Marvel movies every year. So. Very true. Mm, I don't know, karma or something for all those inflated ticket prices. Do you have another one, or will I go again? Actually, yeah, uh, there was another horror film I watched, which I very much enjoyed, which was Blood Quantum. So this is like, uh, this is on uh, Shudder. It's Canadian film. It's it's like quite a standard zombie invasion narrative, except for it's set in uh, an indigenous tr- tribe where like all the members of the tribe are immune. And so basically they're the like one place that everyone is, you know, trying to get to. Mm. And it's sort of, it's up to them, like they're trying to figure out, do they have, like basically, will they be able to protect everyone who comes? You know, do they have to like prioritize their own safety? And again, this sounds strangely relevant for no particular reason. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like it was really like a lot of fun, like it just kind of very, very kind of tropey, but, you know, when it's a minority group, it suddenly becomes a lot more awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just another film that I really, really great, like, Halloween watch, which um, just kind of elevated because it's about people of colour kicking white people's ass. So, you know, it's always good. Um, uh, it's going to, like, politics warning starts episode. Just warning, yeah. it may contain SJW things. Oh, no. The dreaded acronym. Actually, the next thing I was talking about was Women Make Film. Uh, so, yeah, oh. that's this unending. Which I believe was shown as part of as part of ADIF. Um I did not myself go near that marathon fourteen hour screening. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was over like two or two days though, wasn't it? I think it was like three hour chunks. Uh, I just bought the Blu-ray. Um but it's definitely worth a watch like once. I don't know if you even count as like a film that came out this year, because it's technically a fourteen hour miniseries, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they showed it in a cinema in an attempt of one hour block, I'm counting as a film. Mm. Uh, like there's nothing particularly fancy about it. It is just a series of, of female actresses and filmmakers like Tilda Swinton and uh, Sandy Newton and I think Jane Fonda is one of them um, just talking about just talking over clips of films you've never heard of because they're made by women and are <laughs> therefore just buried for the last hundred years and it, it makes some interesting points I think there's one bit where they they're talking about a certain shot as being like quite Lynchian and like but why is it called Lynchian and not uh, okay. whatever that, yeah. that director's name was because they probably predated him or something I'm like yeah it's a good point um I think it is definitely worth watching once. I just put it on and just let it wash over you and just have a, a notepad to hand so you can take down the list of all the films. That like, hmm, that looks weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which I only found on movie there three days ago and it was deeply weird and messed up, but I'm glad I watched it. Nice. Uh, apparently it was Gaspar Noe's wife, which I didn't realise when I was watching it. That, that wow. actually makes a lot more sense in hindsight. Uh, but yeah, if you can find it, Women Make Film is definitely worth 14 of your human hours. Yeah. Great. Um, I think I think only have one left that isn't Palm Springs. So, what what have you got? Oh yeah, I have uh, Lola. It's another. It was from the IFI, the French film festival. It's a, a trans teenager whose whose mother has died, and she's living in care, but kind of basically, she doesn't want to reunite with her 
father, but they end up kind of driving across the country to return her their the mother's ashes to where they used to kind of go on holidays. Well, what I found really interesting is that the film, it, like it does a really interesting job of showing that like the father is more concerned with the bodily autonomy of like a dead person than he is about mm-hmm. his daughter. That was quite clever. And I think it does a quite a good job as well of showing that he's not a likable guy. You shouldn't forgive him. The reason that he re- resents his daughter is because he never got the chance to realize his own dreams and things so it's a very kind of i suppose personal bigotry <laughs> right yeah um which you know not, not i don't know if it makes it worse or better but like basically it gives you hope that maybe he can figure his own stuff out and yeah so it was, i thought it was just like a really good examination of rubbish that trans people have to put up with but you know hoping that maybe people can figure it out and start being nicer to them so i hope but yeah, yeah it was good that, I was actually thinking last week for some reason about i haven't seen that many what i like kind of positive or good films about trans experiences mm. that one sounds quite good like i watched tomboy again on movie i think during the lockdown that was okay. absolutely great i'd recommend that for you cool. a lot but that one sounds really good because mm-hmm. like, yeah. the last ones i can think of that were notable were like the danish girl which is just Dirt, yeah so. <laughs> yeah and actually i was kind of I, I um what was the film it was called girl there we go yes. um but yeah like <laughs> when you have like a cis director basically going like oh well we you know we, we tried mm-hmm. to find trans actors but none of them just quite fit my my, my narrow idea idea of what a trans woman or trans girl should be like so here's like, scarlett johansson yeah, yeah cool. i understand Exactly. But uh, yeah, I actually, I have another film about uh, trans experiences on my top 10. So there were, I thought there were some really good ones this year. Uh, okay, so my last honourable mention is His House, which is a Netflix release. Uh, it's it's basically just your standard, this is going to kind of go to what you were saying about standard films, but like non-white people making them better. <laughs> it's kind of just like a standard ghost story haunted house film, but it's all about immigration and like oh, these i think i have heard of this actually yeah it's yeah it's definitely worth a watch um but like they're fleeing some like war-torn country and they're um what is the word i've entirely forgotten the word not immigrant but refugee god brains are not working anymore it's been a long year the vocabulary just was the first to go mm. uh, but yeah so like making making the source of the the ghosts something unique okay. was quite good. like it isn't just like oh someone in the family died like there's a kind of a, a twist of sorts halfway through about like what really happened while they were escaping and okay it's it's quite it's, it's a very bleak film i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it's, although the ending is strangely happy like they kind of come to peace with things and eh, whatever okay. but uh it, it isn't it's not like insidious it's not some easygoing horror film where you're just like you sit back you have your popcorn and you just do some some jumps here and there no there is like some genuinely like freaky imagery and then also some quite heavy unsubtle thematic stuff going on like it's not even one of those films where you can be like something akin to say uh, i guess like possessor which we'll get to later on maybe is like mm-hmm. sort of like there's there's stuff going on about identity and losing yourself to your job and whatever but like you could mm-hmm. probably ignore that if you wanted to and just sort of watch the gory stuff whereas this one i don't think you could escape like the political allegory at all even if you mm-hmm. try to which is good okay. i think more films should be like that unsubtle but yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh but yeah no i think that's also a fairly zippy runtime now i say zippy it isn't like an action whoosh bang film it's it's quite slow and just people going around their house a lot but mm-hmm. it's, it's very good 
I'd recommend it. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. I'll have to. I've been been meaning to watch that, so I will have to do that soon now. I feel like we owe the the general audience listening to this podcast like one. I feel like we have like Tenet in here or something. Just like, no, Tenet's great. Go watch Tenet. Just yes. <laughs> something that isn't, I don't know, really heavy going or allegorical that's, or quote unquote political. True. That is true. Yeah. Well, tough for Actually, them. No, it's okay. I have Birds of Prey in my top 10. It's fine. Hey, there we go. Excellent. <laughs> Although now it's women, though. Women yeah. are political. <laughs> yeah, damn. Well, I think, yeah, the, the my other animal uh, mentioned it was Invisible Man. So I think that's on your top oh, 10. It is, it is indeed. Um, I mean, shall we shall we transition to them now? I suppose we shall. Did you have the lighthouse in your top 10? This, is, this feels did. like an off my conversation, but uh, it's, it's happening. Listen to it. It is. You did, okay. I did, I, yeah. I didn't because I had it in my top 10 last year, so I didn't count it, but I want to reiterate that it's very good. Yeah, yeah. Let's just talk Perfect. about that now, actually. Go for that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Start with the lighthouse. Um, kind of the perfect movie for the year in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I was thinking about it when I was kind of doing a bit of research for it, for the pod and I was kind of realizing I don't really remember the plot but I also feel like that's kind of doesn't really matter like it nearly felt no. like an experience. There's barely a plot. There's a series of events that happens it's not really a plot. Yeah and I think actually kind of similar to Robert Eggers other film The, the Witch as well mm. like they're kind of just more about like really feeling horribly claustrophobic and like just as though you can't get out of the film in the same way that the, the characters can't. What I loved about The Lighthouse was that it feels like a film that is going to mean something very different to whoever is watching it. I you know for okay. me it well for me anyway I, I couldn't stop thinking about all the gatekeeping that goes on in like academia because <laughs> that's where I am or that's where I, I was I mean that's not an unfair reading that you say if I would never have thought of that <laughs> oh there you go yeah I think I remember I was watching it with my brother who I think was saying just like you kind of know someone or you know you know like these people I think they just evoke these characters evoke kind of the type of people that you've probably encountered one way or other in your life or situations mm-hmm. that you've encountered so I don't know I, I could just imagine that everyone sort of projects their own life experiences onto the film their least favorite manager they worked with yeah. in retail on Willem Dafoe yeah yeah and you say you're probably right it's sort of a Rorschach test of yeah. your worst customer experiences and things exactly yeah uh, yeah I, I think it was Rob at the Oscars I know the Oscars mean functionally mm. nothing and actually we'll get to that again later maybe mm, yeah. um but yeah, like the fact that neither Defoe nor Pattinson got anything is just outrageous. Yeah. Uh, they are both fa- fantastic. I think Pattinson is just, he's unassailable. I don't know how culture ever had a point where we all hated him because yeah, I that's... can't think of a bad performance in the last like seven years he's turned in. Yeah, that's so true. I did hear people say that his accent was not of anywhere. Maybe even intentional. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, very true. But also yeah. like they were trying to recreate like an accent from what, like 150 years ago? Yeah. It doesn't really exist yeah. anymore. So. so in that way, maybe it's, yeah just everyone assumes it's supposed to be their accent and it was actually yeah I don't know Um, I think it does definitely in the opening maybe half an hour like it distracts a bit because it it does yeah it sort of sounds like it's a few different accents and doesn't it doesn't quite settle for a while Mm. whereas Defoe has a more generic kind of pirate voice so it's like this this is fine this I understand yeah it was brilliant and um their performances definitely helped to <laughs> made a lot of the like claustrophobia and the just yeah incredibly horrible feeling of the whole film so they did really well and again memes it gave us many many yes memes. and that's all we want these days <laughs> it's all we it's all that lets us live anymore yeah vicariously true memes um uh so i guess i'll say the invisible man then since that was Ooh. previously mentioned um mm. 
again, just in the sense of it was a horror film that creeped me out, and <laughs> it also had a very unsubtle social message going on. Mm. Not social message, but like allegory, subtext, whatever you want to call it. It was also heightened by the fact that I saw it in a cinema that was fairly empty, and the woman in front of me was just one of the best audience members I've ever seen because she could not handle it. I think she's like, she must have been like a big Elizabeth Moss fan or something. I might oh. see it based on the hand by sale and she just could not handle horror films. Wow. It was fabulous. Like every tense moment she was like grabbing her face and just like, quiet, not quietly, but saying like, Jesus, and, oh God. And then the, you know, like the attic bit mm. when she like throws the paint and like reveals the thing. Oh, she yeah. like full on blood curdled screamed and I just, wow. I was so happy. It was so, so brought me so much joy. But the film's also very good. Mm. Um, it really annoys me that Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist because she's so good so in everything weird. she's yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, she's she's Tom Cruise again, right? Like they they get really good actors, yeah. and they're so like chameleon-like or something. That mm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know which comes first: being good at acting, <laughs> joining Scientology, or joining Scientology and you become you sell yourself to the devil and become really good at acting. I don't know. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe <laughs> Tom Cruise is impervious to all damage, and Elizabeth Moss is just like a phenomenally good actor. <laughs> Kind of weird as well that she's cornered the market on like feminist depictions mm. while also being a Scientologist. Yeah. Like the fact that the whole film is about like trying to escape uh, a strange presence that's, that's sort of following you around. I was like, yes. Mm. <laughs> Just yeah. like that whole Nicole Kidman thing again. Mm. <laughs> or no, it was, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think like the last maybe half an hour kind of lost me a bit when I get but too action yeah. heavy like the whole hospital yeah. escape was a bit much like it looked good but I was like, it didn't feel like it felt or it fit with the rest of the tone mm. uh the very end though again like sea fever is not kind of ending i would have expected that kind of film to have but True. i thought it was good and necessary and i'm glad it had it mm-hmm. yeah that's again yeah, not that's to spoil fair. it but uh it's it was again like it was yeah a woman like very much taking her destiny into her own hands in a way that was not Hollywood conventional I suppose but mm. I was thoroughly impressed by it. actually the film took a lot of risks in a lot of ways like I think the dinner scene with her sister the direction that goes I was yeah. like fully shocked at as it happened mm. um, I guess from the guy that made the first Saw film you kind of expect these kind of things the, the the kitchen scene where the burner just suddenly goes on and things like mm. that that might have been the most disturbing part of the film for me it's when it's like kind of understated and yeah. you, you're still not quite sure how things are going to happen. Yeah, really good, really un- unsettling horror. It was great. Like, I know it's one of the things of you go in, you know there is a literal invisible man. So the whole, is she just going crazy? Or is she like doing mm. this to herself or whatever? Like, you know she's not, but it's still, I think it was like effectively enough, like written and directed that you can see the plausible deniability of that. Like you can almost trick yourself mm. into thinking that maybe she is just going, like you you obviously know she's not, but you just, just somewhere where I was like, well, maybe yeah um, very true which is a sign of a very well-made film even like when you know the twist it's not even twist was it it's the title mm, yeah <laughs> but yeah no I, I thought it was it was great um i know it wasn't quite as good as for you but still it's i still it's, liked it a lot yeah mm, okay um all right throw one of yours out yeah i guess actually following on from the documentary you you were talking about uh i really enjoyed disclosure which is a, I've been meaning to watch that for so long. Oh, it's, yeah. It. So Trans Lives on Screen is the, the subtitle. It's really great. I really enjoyed Horror Noir from, mm, yeah, from mm. last year. I feel like it would be a really good companion piece. But having said that, it would kind of be a companion piece with any other, you know, really good documentary yeah. on kind of like minorities in film. But this was just a um, really interesting um, look at like how trans people have been represented and misre- misrepresented across like TV and, and uh, film. Yeah, like it was interesting because it does look at kind of the big touch points that people would know, like 
the silence of the lands and mm -hmm. ace ventura and things like that but it's also like kind of looks at how weirdly and hugely subtle some of the transphobia can be yeah one of the actors who was uh yeah candace kane who was i think she was like the first repeat actress on uh, dirty sexy money so yeah like she had the first role in multiple episodes basically when she tuned in to watch the first episode that she was on she realized that they'd like lowered her voice in post oh, jesus so it's just like stuff like that is probably like it's kind of just pointing out the subtle ways that like we're basically always being programmed to view trans actors and trans people as different mm. and, and that, that like you, you probably just aren't going to realize so it was like a really kind of it was it was kind of quite eye-opening um and, and as well as just being very uh, interesting and really sad that there sort of wasn't as much examples of trans representation as there should be in either way positive or negative negative. Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of quite frustrating as well but at least it's kind of showing that there's so much to be done and hopefully we'll see more positive but just even just more would be good at this point I think yeah it's it's, it's a really interesting uh, watch and it's on Netflix so like it's yeah very much recommended I definitely get to it at some point I suppose to keep on the theme of <laughs> politics uh birds of prey which I feel guilty putting in there because like it's it's just barely not trash but in a year of no other superhero films or comic book films mm. I kind of don't feel too guilty mm. putting this one in I think if there was like a, a load more I'd be like mm, well and also it flopped horribly because it was too political. So okay. you know, that's a good sign. Uh, I don't have much to say about it. Like it's just, it's just quite good fun. Margot Robbie commits to Harley Quinn in a way that I think someone of her stature and career doesn't need to. Hmm. Uh, she just, she's really into playing that character and it's, it's an admirable performance in terms of this level of bug-eyed, like weirded out, cocaine-fueled intensity. And it, mm. it's just quite fun. Elizabeth, uh, oh no, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also very good in it because I think mm. she's not typecast, but she's always kind of reliably kind of this sort of confident, cool girl person in yeah. movies a lot of the time. And she like, nicely plays like kind of an awkward, like socially inept person in this, who's also okay. a murderer, but that's, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a nice, <laughs> we're back to this again, it's a nice breezy watch. Mm. It's, it's some fun violence. Ewan McGregor is absolutely excellent um, as this like the really camp self-absorbed villain who's just you know all of the toxic male traits in one nice. and, uh, and with that i will stop saying political buzzwords that will get us hashtag to death by mras online um <laughs> but yeah birds of prey is, is really really good and i'm glad it was the only real superhero film that came out this year you know oh, we'll yeah. i don't believe that well, I'm going to go for uh, go for it. We're not going to go away from politics. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, this is um, a documentary uh, called uh, Love Child. So, yeah, a family from Iran who like, went into exile because mother and father had a child while they were both married to other people. Uh, so this is, yeah, basically this is against the law. They had to uh, flee to Turkey. It's kind of documenting them over, I think it's maybe a decade. For, it's from, like, basically it goes up to very much, um, I think last year, maybe two years ago, looking at them trying to travel to the US and to get citizenship there, which, um, spoiler alert, they don't in the end. It was a really interesting experience watching it because it was far more kind of nail biting than I, I would have anticipated it being. Like every time that they are trying to get, you know, get a passport, get married, 
like basically get anything. It's so incredibly fraught. It's like you're you're just you know begging that they they get everything on time, that everything gets approved, that they stay away from basically you know whoever is is just trying to possibly take them back to Iran. Someone pointed out like it sort of puts you in the shoes of these people in ways that like a lot of similar similar kind of documentaries don't and and it's it's as well like it it kind of made me realize how much the us has changed in a, in a way i hadn't really thought about before like just the fact that the landscape for refugees and asylum seekers is just completely different now i, I guess if you're well, if you're you know like me and live in a you know wealthy country and don't have to worry too much about things like that mm. you know I, I i it hadn't struck me how much harder and more horrific that experience must be now so it was yeah it was a really um really interesting uh, documentary and and just so yeah it sort of i suppose involved me emotionally in ways i wasn't expecting to so it was yeah really interesting and mm. i'd recommend it uh i think i will jump next to the assistant which again Ooh. i'm afraid capital P, politics. Uh, do you know this one? I don't think so. It's, I think it again, like kind of did the award circuit and then just kind of got dropped on VOD. Actually, this is what we didn't talk about really at all in our preamble bit was that for all the films that didn't come out, like the films that did come out were almost not, mm, I don't want to say almost all of them, but like a lot of them were like female directed. And I felt oh. like they just thought, like, what can we dump on VOD? Okay. And like to put content out like, well, you know, all these women films won't make money, so let's put these mm. in. Uh, but I also think they probably found a better audience this way because people are maybe more open to new content. Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, but this one was it, it's very much inspired by like Weinstein and that whole the Me Too movement and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's it's about a, a woman who works in a like a New York production office of some unnamed film company. And it, it's just literally one day of her work like it actually feels very documentary like and i think the director does a previous documentary work um and it, it's her just having to like do all the menial interny tasks for some big shot you never see the guy you only just hear him on phones or hear him like mm. distance oh, okay um the weinstein-esque fellow and just dealing with all of his like little crappy errands that often involve like picking up women to bring over for auditions mm-hmm. and then like booking hotels and she tries to go to HR to like basically war it's basically showing like how impossible it would have been for anyone to really get Weinstein caught for what he okay. did and how difficult that is and it's, 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 it's an incredibly bleak film I'm not gonna lie like there's no happy ending here like it's it's an upsetting watch but it's also a very like revealing watch it's like yeah there's all these people that are technically collaborators not collaborators like they would have known what was happening but also it, it's sort of like a cone of silence like it's they were all would have been powerless to anything about it like there's so many layers of mm-hmm. shielding him from getting caught and yet also there's no there's no immediate way of like really blaming these people because like mm. no one's going to like stop it so yeah it's not a fun watch but it's it's borderline a horror film uh, mm, okay. it's, it's very subtle it's very quiet it's one of those films that has like really high critical scores and like Rotten Tomatoes and like a zero from the audience so uh, nothing okay. happens it's boring that's yeah. the point uh, but it's great like it's it's a phenomenally good uncomfortable watch and I'd recommend it if you want to just have a bad time uh-huh. uh. in a good way no not in a good way in an interesting way <laughs> yeah yeah huh. that's it yeah it's that kind of seems, I know this is a bit early for for this segue but it does seem like there's been a couple of um, horrors that are movies that are like almost horror 
like mm. this year i've got to have it on my list too and now you know have probably have it higher up so we can wait till later but i was just thinking i'm thinking of ending things mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of quite similar in is it a horror i'm not sure but it certainly felt like the points but yeah we'll, we'll get to that now. i actually have a few like that on my own so yeah yeah we'll, we'll return to this subject soon um just since I know it's on yours, do you want to do Palm Springs now, or do you want to save that for higher? Um, yeah, are we actually no, doing the American? We're not really doing numbers here. Is yeah, that, not, not really. Um, yeah, like I, I kind of had a, a kind of a top five and then a bottom five. As oh, it we were, can wait. But, no, we can keep going. No, no, like, but I'm happy to talk. Like, maybe we might want to talk about that because it's marginally more positive than the others. Sure. <laughs> like marginally. <laughs> and I can't think of much politics in it, so yeah, I think we might yeah, be okay on this one. Exactly. This is a movie I watched near the the start of the year, and um, yeah, I've been like bugging other people to watch. So I'm, I'm so thank you for watching it. <laughs> well, I'd heard about it when it came out, and I was it was like actually another one that you'll be talking about, Vivarium, which everyone talked about. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it at some point. I just didn't care enough, and also mm. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's sort of inadvertently very lockdown. You're like, oh, okay. Mm. I like Andy Samberg. I knew it was a comedy. Like uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why I didn't watch it sooner. Because mm. when I did watch it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, mm. I think like my one the reasons like it's not my top ten is probably just because I think it's it's kind of quite a slight film. Like there's not. Mm. No, I'm willing to be <laughs> turned around. This like there wasn't that much going on in it. Like it's just a well crafted comedy, mm. um, and I can't fault that. Like I, I laughed a lot during it. Uh, I even thought the ending was okay, even a bit, bit schmaltzy, mm. but not not too much so. Yeah, uh, it was like an acceptable level. Like I was probably maybe hoping for something a little bit more like a hot rod kind of movie. Mm. Again, just because Andy Samberg's there, and it's a bit more traditional, I suppose, than that. And the concept's obviously kind of sci-fi and Python and whatever. But I think yeah, mm. it's a much more traditional rom-com, I suppose, just dressed yeah. up in a sci-fi outfit. If that allegory makes sense. Uh, but no, I did re-enjoy really it. So please regale me with why it's even better than I think it is. No, I, I, I like. I think you're. I think you're probably right. I tend to enjoy films when they kind of do the tropes and do them really right. Like I think, you know, I think when when a film can pull that off, I, I, I'm really mm. impressed. I kind of nearly want to say, if you, if you haven't seen the film, like don't listen, go and go, go and see yeah. it. Like it's because I went into it completely blind, and I think the fact that I did was part of the reason why I was so happy about it because I, I, I actually also just I do really enjoy the whole groundhog thing that um that some films have managed to get really do really well yeah because you were big in the happy death day weren't you as well yeah I've not seen the sequel to that actually that was, that's another one on my like, long list of films to get to uh, it had me wondering and, and you kind of know more about like film history uh, we'll see well, okay so <laughs> um, no but it. I was just curious like are there any other kind of sub-genres that have been so established in the modern era in in a way that I, I feel like the Groundhog Day thing is now? It's like a very recognizable mm. type of film. And I, I just, I can't think of anything else that has sort of established itself in such a short period of time, but it's oh, very recognizable. What comes to mind is like way. found footage, but I think that's a bit broader. Okay. Like Groundhog Day, mm. it's literally one film that just... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. As well, um, I think, yeah, I was just really impressed by like Andy Samberg. I, like, he's never really played a role like that mm. before that, that, I, that I can think of. Like, and he, he genuinely, I remember like at the beginning of the film, just going like, he, he seems a lot more grizzled than he should be. What's going on? And so, yeah, really played the role very well. And I, I was surprised at how like invested I got in the characters. Yeah, it doesn't go much deeper than that. I think I just thought it was a very well-made movie and 
kind of yeah it was also bleak at times which is important for me i you know always need my bleakness in my movies oh yeah i mean that one was barely bleak that one's it it's bleak in the sense of i guess like the the millennial existence of just not caring and then learning to care yeah if you describe it that it sounds awful but like it's yeah. better than that makes it sound well i mean i suppose there is also you know the that sort of existential fear of like living day and day and day forever and mm-hmm. never changing and you know like yeah especially for jk simmons's character the fear that his children will never grow up and stuff like that this was you know that's kind of that was kind of sad yeah like i was just more his character i quite liked his character he's kind of interesting mm. um mainly probably because it was jk simmons heavily armed yes. and murdering people that was, yeah, i guess well <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he was great um i agree i think samberg there was definitely some like the more dramatic moments where i don't know if he's really that great at them and i think it kind of went right to the line of his abilities but luckily like his co-lee like she could kind of shoulder the way yeah. of those scenes yeah and she was great um so yeah. if, if it had been like weaker in the casting sense it might have fallen apart a bit more but i agree like, i do think it was really solid and was mm. thoroughly enjoyable yeah. very funny i think the bit with the, the crossbow and the cake or the bit with the plane just i laughed quite a lot mm. uh i'm trying to think what to do next because all of mine are kind of bleak mm. i guess i got the bleaks another way so relic is yeah. an australian horror film which uh i suppose sort of you know two parts babadook one part hereditary um it's about uh, a grandma who goes missing and then shows up again and she's like she can't quite remember what's happened so the daughter and the granddaughter move in to just like, keep an eye on her but then mm. there's a spookins to be happening around the house and it, it, it's all you know i guess not spoilers but so much i think but it, it's all an allegory for dementia and mm. sort of the idea of like grieving for someone while they're still alive and Again, in a similar vein, something like Sea Fever, the ending, were just an American film, would be very different, and I think mm. very much shitter. The ending is, despite visually being very much still a horror film and kind of gross body horror to a point, is really quite sad and touching. Mm-hmm. It's, I was thoroughly impressed by it. Like, it's genuinely very scary at points, because it's really subtle horror. There's no real jump scares. And it's it's just very sort of like you just see like a small thing moving in the background, but it's really effective in its build up and like it doesn't waste any time. Like it's not like ninety minutes, and it it it's perfectly timed like build up. Because mm. I think Hereditary, much as I do like that film, it's too long mm. and I think it's too bombastic, especially in the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas this deals with like very similar ideas of like inherited like mental illness or like biological degradation kind of things. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Hereditary was very much about that same topic. I feel Hereditary's did she have dementia too? I think she did, the grandmother. No. There was something similar, but this one's much more overt. And I just think it it handles that whole thing a lot better and a lot more mm. a lot more effectively and it just genuinely sadly. Like I think Hereditary managed to be very emotionally ruinous in the sense of like mm. that bit with the car is just devastating to watch. Mm. Like there's nothing of that kind of peak in okay. Relic, but I think it's a lot it's a much more solid baseline of just quiet dread and genuine sadness. Okay. So if you if you think you can handle a film that's really really about dementia and not mm. particularly subtle about it, then I'd recommend it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's again, it is not a fun watch, but it's a very good watch. Mm-hmm. So just double build that and the assistants feel terrible yeah. life. Yeah, well, <laughs> a recommendation for Christmas. It, like it does sound kind of like in the same vein as the Babadoo. Mm, no, it definitely is. Uh, it's mm-hmm. also Australian. So that's, yes, so, that's, yeah. that's all they make. 
just sad, unsubtle horror films. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's all it's all women. It's it's three women in the film. I think it's directed by a woman. There's there's some male oh, characters, no. but they're they're very ancillary. It's wow. I know. I I have fully cooked myself with this list. <laughs> That's C U C K E D. Not yeah. Give us an upbeat one, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Mm. So I it's okay. I know you don't have one. <laughs> this one is really off the wall. It's very strange. It's probably the strangest film I've seen in quite a while. It's um Japanese animated film called uh, Violence Voyager. Excellent. All those words. I'm already in love with this. Yes. I haven't heard of this. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah. Um it, it is it is so bizarre. So the animation style is uh, it's called Geki Mation, kind of what South Park does. In that okay. it's like it's paper dolls basically in front of like yeah, yeah. a static background as yes. it were. So yeah, basically they just like move the the paper dolls up and down uh, like they're on sticks or something. Uh, so that's the only like m- yeah movement that you see throughout it. It's it's about an American boy who's uh, now living in Japan and it's kind of very much like a fairy tale setup that he wants to go and visit friends who live on the other side of the mountain but when he's traveling there with his own friend they kind of come across it's like a role-playing amusement park where you get like water pistols and shoot at like plastic aliens that's um, amazing that's a thing wow yeah already the like the drawing style is really everything's kind of very strangely exaggerated every character in it has weird crosses across their forehead except for the protagonist like literally it seems like everyone in the town is clones but this is mm. not a plot point that is brought up at any point okay and so yeah very quickly it goes from they're playing in this outdoor fun park for kids to this is literally happening children are turning into weird aliens and by the second half basically children trapped like under the earth being turned into aliens being fed to aliens um, uh-huh. a lot of bo- body horror violence voyager violence, violence. voyager oh, yeah okay. just making a note of that one uh yeah it's like it's really worth seeing and what's i think kind of most disturbing about it is it's like so incredibly earnest right even at the end there's still this idea that like you know, the little boys come to the end of his journey and, oh, yeah. I suppose in a sense it's like they never lose their innocence but at the same time it's sort of like their innocence was really, like, creepy and distorted <laughs> the whole time. It's, it's by far the strangest film I've seen in a long time and um, uh, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it if you, if you do watch it. I think it was you to recommend a tag to me as well, wasn't it? Which isn't quite the same thing but it was like a similar exactly. it, it definitely, bizarreness. That, yeah, that, that was the last really weird film that i've seen so Excellent. yeah okay i love tag so i'm definitely i will definitely take that one Excellent. that's, that's now jumped to the top of the list of your recommendations like all the the more meaningful important yeah, films know, have exactly. now dropped out yeah. i want to see the weird thing um okay i'm gonna try to fly through some of these because i think we've we still have kind of quite a lot left to get through and it's mm. been, we've been here for so long days weeks who knows oh, it's yeah. a full life situation uh okay so quickly possessor which is the new baby cronenberg movie brandon i want to oh, say oh wow cool david cronenberg's son i yeah. forget i think it's brandon uh and it's got andrea riseborough in it and it, it looks a bit like mandy so like huh here she is a strangely typecast mm-hmm. in these surreal dreamy movies um it's about 
desensitizing yourself to violence and hmm. losing yourself in your job and losing your identity. And I don't really want to. It's one of those films again that like the more you know, the worse you'll. Okay. Like, the worse, like you should go in as blind as possible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a darker, kinkier Inception. Hmm. Um, I think you'd probably like it more than you liked Inception. <laughs> probably yes. Uh, but it is also incredibly violent. There's, and that's kind of the point. Like it's sort of the idea of like her character's fetishization of violence to the extent of all, like to the uh, more than anything else is sort of a plot point mm-hmm. or an applied plot point and there is some sequences that are definitely practical effects and are truly truly horrible mm-hmm. um, wow. Sean Bean is there Sean Bean yeah. gets very badly I'm not even sure if he dies or not <laughs> okay. uh, what you do see his eye gouged out with a fire poker oh, in very yeah. close up detail and it's not it's not pleasant but it's uh, it's worth your time, I think, if you <laughs> if you like squishy horror movies and just nice, yeah. If that vague setup of kinky inception sounds good. I think I think you'll probably like it. Mm. But uh, it's it's a good one. Oh, I, like I really liked uh, Antiviral. So I I've still not it. seen that, but oh, yeah, okay. it's, it is yes that person. Great. Okay, give me a quick fire one. Ooh, um, yeah. Okay, uh, Lingua Franca. Uh, so this is um, another um, film about trans experience. So it's is. Bel Sandoval. Uh, she's both the writer, or sorry, she's both the director and the protagonist. Um, so she's uh, actually supposed to, kind of similar to Love Child, and it was a really interesting film for looking at like how America has changed very, mm. very quickly because she's an undocumented immigrant, and she so she's working for a family uh, who she's she's looking after an old woman whose son then re- like returns home because he's kind of out of work looking for a job. Yeah, this sort of kind of start having a relationship and I like I really liked the film for a lot of reasons but one was it's kind of nearly like the Kuleshov effect or maybe the Kuleshov effect in reverse because a lot a lot of the film is kind of it doesn't really give you motivation for why people are doing what they do the the fil- the camera will linger on their face and you kind of it's up to you to like decide like oh did he ask her out for this reason for that reason um, you know, or like, why did she decide to do X, Y, and Z? Like, and I, I don't think there's many films that kind of let you fill in the blanks in that way a lot. So mm, I don't know. I, kind of exhausting to watch, but also very interesting. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Really enjoyed it. And it, it's also a film that has like more than one trans person in it, which is kind of nice as well. It shouldn't that be shouldn't like... It shouldn't be noteworthy. But it shouldn't yeah. be not noteworthy, but like, yeah, the kind of the idea that like trans people, you know, like maybe they have their own customs their own culture that like they don't necessarily have to share with cis people all the time it's kind mm. of a nice thing i think to have mm. in, in a film so yeah that's um yeah lingua franca um oh yeah that was one of my top five definitely really liked it there's two i want to get to that are mm-hmm. both ones i think you're gonna sort of i want to hear you fight me on a little <laughs> bit um so i'm gonna just do that together or i like, do one more one quick cool. one first uh, okay, I'll do Saint Maud really quickly first. Saint Maud mm-hmm. is another film about a woman, and it's also bleak Aww. and depressing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think this one's a bit more. I certainly, while watching it, got a sense of sort of a, a very jet black sense of humor running through it, and mm-hmm. I don't want to explain it, but the very last shot made me laugh out loud. Um, mm-hmm. In just the way that it, the last shot's really violent and horrible, but it's just it's it's what it represents is very funny. In comparison to what everything else like it's about this nurse and she's very religious she found god after some kind of incident happened in her previous nursing job and now she's doing like private home care mm. for a character the actress of whom she was brilliant but i kept wondering why she wasn't gillian anderson because she looked like her and sounded like her and just <laughs> okay. get her in there uh 
who's like this aging like socialite sort of lesbian artist person and uh, so mm. obviously the the very god-fearing nun like uh mod comes in and then it's all about it's kind of like a yeah if possessor is like a kinky inception this is like a an evil version of portrait of lady on fire where it's just okay <laughs> instead of like recognizing queerness and like embracing it and having a little fulfilling time it's like no i must reject my queerness and then Mm-hmm. love god more and then start a fire or something um so it's kind of a portrait of loneliness and isolationism and, and what oh, but on fire as well but on fire yes um <laughs> uh but it, it's it's again it's it, it's not really as much of a horror film like it was definitely billed as one and i feel like if people went in expecting a horror film they probably been disappointed mm-hmm. but it, it's more of just a i'd say psychological thriller chiller sort of drama thing mm-hmm. with little inflections of horror and there's one moment that really reminded me of The Witch, actually. But uh, yeah, there's like little touches of it. And then the end is just slightly mad. And then if, if like me, you're a horrible person and picked up on this vague sense that the film is kind of mocking its protagonist for being so in love with Jesus and shit, the last shot's very funny um, Ooh, in a really okay. dark, dark, fucked up <laughs> way. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, so that's, I think that's the last of my really bleak ones. Um, so good. That's, that's that done. Wow. Oh, I'll throw in a really bleak one. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, just to balance things out. So yeah, this is um, one of the films actually from the beginning of the year, which I yeah I think I only realised at the end is like oh that was really good and really bleak. It's called Beanpole. It's um a Russian. Heard of it? Yeah, it's um it's a Russian film set in uh, Leningrad just after World War Two, and it's kind of about two women. One is called Beanpole because she's so tall, mm-hmm. and sounds a little bit like Saint Maud in that Ooh. like. They both kind of despise each other, but like also really need each other. There's like definitely um, a very, there's like definitely queer subtext there and actually probably text as well. Um, <laughs> but um, the two of them have basically come home from war and are work. One of the, Beanpole is working in a hospital. The other woman, uh, Masha, basically says to Beanpole, uh, well, you owe me, um, I'm, I've had a hysterectomy but I want a baby, so now right. and it goes from there. It's, it's like really incredibly bleak because yeah, it's basically like, well, what do you do in a country where like everyone is suffering from mm. PTSD and um, you still have to like, yeah, survive and have, I suppose, have subsequent generations. So yeah, it was really good and uh, cinematography was, was amazing. But yeah, don't I don't know if you should double bill it with Saint Maud because I think that would be pretty bleak. Um, night nice. in, yeah. maybe you should. I think any double bill of anything we've just so far, probably yeah, really yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, yeah. it's been that kind of year, I guess. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, you were asking like what kind of film did I watch during lockdown? I think we both watched the same kind of film during lockdown, yeah. just really depressing. Yeah. Shit. yeah. Um, okay, so quickly, uncut gems, uh, mm. which I I liked for a lot of the same reasons, not directly, but in like a meta sense of palm spring which is a, i just thought it was very well made mm-hmm. uh i i can't remember being quite as intensely wrapped up in a film's mm. sense of okay. tension as that like i saw it in the lighthouse i don't know two years ago who knows at this point it must have been january probably and there was a fire drill in the middle of it like the fire alarm went off and the screen stopped and everyone was like oh god no put it back on put it back on not in the middle of it. No, it was actually near the end. It was actually quite quite near the end of oh, it. No. Um, and everyone was like going insane. Like, no, you can't leave it. Like, please, we don't care about the fire. Just put it back on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I think made me realize like how into it I'd gotten, like how caught up. Yeah, in, yeah, wow. Like it's a real like not in your chest kind of movie. Just like this is awful and I hate this, but it's really engrossing. Mm. And now uh, the point I will allow you to come in on, I will say Adam Sandler. I thought he was fantastic in this. Now I don't disagree what you're going to say in a second that he is just doing what he always does, but I think it's more how he was used. Like it's less that his performance was better and more that they knew how to use that properly. Like it wasn't just a gross out dumb frat boy comedy. It was here's an awful person and here's like this the ridiculous life they could have and how outering the maximum amount of like tension out of that. Because <laughs> they mm-hmm. just can't make a good decision. And every time they come close to like achieving some semblance of making their life easier they make it worse because they're addicted to gambling and addicted to like the high of that and it's just it's a deeply stressful movie but Mm. it was just it felt oddly cleansing at the same time (laughs) i remember like really intensely disliking it while watching it and kind of thinking afterwards like there was really a lot of really interesting stuff in it the i remember some or it was i think was someone was calling it the like the most Jewish movie <laughs> ever and the sort of the stuff about his Jewishness I found, found really interesting I think I kind of I felt like there was nearly two films going on in it yeah and I would have liked to see more of that and I know you could probably argue like it was actually all extremely Jewish in some ways um I didn't appreciate Sandler's performance in the way that maybe That's I should fair. have um and I think for the because of as a result i was just sort of like he's really getting in the way of what could have been a really a really interesting movie but having said that i think i can understand why other people enjoyed it a lot it's definitely a movie i wouldn't mind watching again uh, maybe in like maybe not straight away yeah, yeah but like i i think i'd like to come back to it and see what i think about it with like a good bit of distance that's as fair as you can ask i think for that's yeah okay okay mm-hmm. um yeah well i i go through another one quickly mm-hmm. i already mentioned it but this is the film i saw during well yeah in the last nine months in cinemas which was uh, herself this is kind of amazing because it's it was directed by philida lloyd who i i realized i learned quite soon afterwards that she directed mamma mia so herself is a, is a movie about like an irish woman oh. basically building a house from scratch because she's on social housing and this is basically mm. the only way she can like support support her family and i was kind of like mama mia that's sort of weird but okay <laughs> like kind of you know women doing stuff i guess it's cool but then i also it's a very found broad it, genre yeah, yeah yeah but it gets even broader because she also directed the iron lady <laughs> oh, so gosh. like i don't what know what's career. going on there but i, I didn't and i don't know if this is a compliment or not but i was very surprised to find this wasn't directed by an Irish person. Like it feels like an, it's an extremely Irish film in pretty much every way. So, you know, I don't know whether a British director (laughs) appreciates being thought of as Irish. I'll let them decide. Um, (laughs) This is a really, just a really, another really gripping film that I wasn't expecting to be so gripping because it is about someone building a house. Yeah. Um, But it's a really intricately written script because like it's just about her everyday life but it's kind of drawing to get together so many different strands really well like this woman is trying to get custody of her kids she's trying to juggle you know part-time jobs she's also trying to uh, avoid uh, welfare chasing her down Mm. you know while she's like basically building a house on the on the sly it's it's just kind of one of those films that i guess on the face of it seems very pedestrian and like very simple 
but it's doing so much just you're, you get so invested in like will she be able to cobble together enough you know material will she be able to do x y and z while trying to hide from the authorities yeah it, it kind of uh, as i said like i ended up crying twice during it because it's just like this is just like she's gonna is she gonna do it so it's yeah it's a great film um i really really enjoyed it um, I'll add that to my list as well just you know okay i'll quickly do do you have portrait lady on fire in yours no i actually okay, i fine. yet to see it I really, oh, okay really right movie, yeah um yeah i'll quickly then that's it's kind of like i don't have much to say about it and yet it's also one of the best things i've seen in years it's just mm. a really it, it's kind of little women in that like it's just a sort of nice film like it's, mm. <laughs> it's a sort of a, a nice gentle watch uh but yeah it's, it's just uh, this like this wealthy heiress whose mother wants a portrait of her commissioned and she refuses to show her face for any portrait artist so eventually this kind of younger woman gets hired and they end up like bonding and it's like them finding themselves and their queerness mm. and it's just a really it's a really lovely looking film it's just very enjoyable to watch mm. it does like it looks gorgeous like, every shot looks like a painting um and yeah it's 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 it just sounds so bizarre to say because like it's a film functionally without conflict <laughs> it's mm, just okay. women both platonically and romantically just bonding and hanging out and it's, mm-hmm. it's great it's really great um, yeah, yeah I don't great. know like, I really, it's hard to like, talk much about it because there's not much to it but it's mm. just exceptionally yeah. good and gorgeous and it's it does a, a lot of people found the ending quite tear-jerkery and emotional I being you know made of stone and and bleakness did not feel that mm-hmm. I, did, I did think it was a very good ending it's very it is very emotionally charged. i did not cry at it mm-hmm. but it was good um but yeah that, that's all i already have to say about that film yeah okay so i have two left you should have two okay. left too if matt's is all working correctly. um one of them one of them is a shared one yes that's probably my top one so I'm gonna cool. that one okay last. we'll do that last yeah so um well i yeah i'll go for uh, my second last one which is uh vivarium Oh yes, I forgot so, that that's yeah. also shared one. It's not yeah. shared in the top ten list, but I have seen it. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think the reason I kind of love this love Vivarium was just you know it's not not subtle at all. No, it's just doing its thing, and it kind of does its thing to the point where like it just becomes utter madness, and I really really <laughs> like that. Yeah, what, I what, what were your thoughts? Enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I think it was mainly just the fact that. I, I think I found it afterwards like it is based on a short film and I think that concept oh, okay. definitely lends itself better to a short film I think mm-hmm. again I did not dislike it I just mm-hmm. as you're saying like it's very unsubtle it's very overtly what it is mm-hmm. I think the fact that it starts off <clears throat> and very quickly gets into the surreal stuff so like mm-hmm. there's maybe there's literally one scene of them in the quote-unquote real world and then it almost mm-hmm. immediately jumps into the yeah. The sci-fi stuff which is fine i usually i usually approve of that mm-hmm. but i actually wish there was more of them just being a couple in the real world mm-hmm. to get a better sense of them and their dynamic and just to give you like mm-hmm. less time in the sci-fi stuff because by the end i was kind of exhausted with it like it just you've spent so long in that one house which i know is sort of the point like that's kind of mm. in, a, in a literal sense what they're trying to make you feel exhausted by that house mm-hmm. um but also i just feel like the the kind of allegory didn't evolve enough over the yeah. like 90 minutes hour and a half mm-hmm. or hour 40 or it was to like justify the length of it i think the short the short film would have been better but i do think it's good mm-hmm. and the performance are great. i think eisenberg is strangely cast in that movie i can't tell mm-hmm. if i think it's good or bad casting because it's the idea of him was like a, a very like rough 
toxic masculinity personified like handyman is almost like mm. laughable on paper yeah uh, that's fair. <laughs> he wasn't bad in it though so i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. i can't really fault it but even though i'm like but is it good casting yeah uh, i love him in boots i love her in anything and she's great in this mm-hmm. um the the child is very annoying but again it's a point yeah <laughs> um, yeah yeah I, I i yeah i did think the child was really terrifying and great yeah. <laughs> um it's funny yeah i'm not entirely sure that i liked where the film ultimately went either like i love the idea you're of... saying it was too bleak sarah <laughs> maybe i did love the obviously the sort of ultimate conceit of like house basically i mean all but basically you know eating its tenants whole mm-hmm. <laughs> one way or the other like I, I did love the, the idea of like you're basically yeah you're spending your whole time digging your own grave that was great yeah. but actually i think that the fact that it was ultimately like being uh like giving yeah it was your like your kids are the you know your kid will basically destroy you i think that actually that was i didn't think that was where the film was ultimately going to go and i mm. think that was a kind of a weirdly regressive message I also thought that the allegory almost breaks down that like last yeah, scene. Yeah. And it just be it just becomes the sci-fi plot, which is like that's fine, but I feel like the film is kind of it sort of feels like a message film up to that point to then to just yeah, yeah. drop yeah, that and go back right. to the sci-fi thing. Because I know like the very opening credits literally tells you the plot where it's the cuckoo's nest being mm. invaded. Like that's literally what the plot is just an alien yeah. forcing birth upon or like forcing a child upon the human couple or whatever. So like it it's not inconsistent, but it, it does feel weird. Like I like I can agree with you that it just if you take the allegory to its literal conclusion what they're saying it does feel like a strange fit like it, it fits the sci-fi plot but it doesn't feel like it fits the actual subtext mm. or the text I suppose. Uh yeah. there's no something yeah mm. <laughs> it's not subtle. Um yeah. But, you know, I did, I did quite like the bleakness of it. Because, again, like uh, Pound's Rings, it sort of, it does feel like the millennial fear of, mm. you know, which yeah. I know it's not necessarily a fear of our generation. It's always been there. That suburbia is just this purgatory. But, yeah, like the literal digging your own grave, the the fact that they're they're a very young couple and then almost immediately, like, his really toxic traits come out as soon yes. as they're stuck together. Yeah. And her more, like, progressive like free woman thing vanishes to become like a much more like matronly mm. figure and like, yeah, it's, it's interesting it's it is very yeah. bleak though like everything else yeah <laughs> yeah definitely i think i really admire it just for like what it, what it attempted um mm. and I, th- I think in a lot of ways it did succeed and then in some kind of disappointing ways it didn't but yeah, yeah. i really really liked it uh definitely in my top 10 for the totally. year uh okay so the the controversial one um mm. I almost included this out of obligation in my top 10 because I do really enjoy it, but I also feel like it's a film that came out technically last year and everyone, it's been talked to, it doesn't need to be anyone's top 10 because everyone knows about it, but uh, Parasite, mm. which I, I don't really have anything to say. Like, again, what's left to be said, I, I thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable just drama, thriller, occasional comedy, one singular really good jump scare moment. Mm. Uh, not even jump scare, it's one really good horror moment. Um, I suppose the only thing worth noting is I watched it in black and white recently for a second time. Hmm. No, yes, I saw it once in colour and then, yeah, black and white. And um, I think it's worth watching in black and white just once because it, like, the the contrast of, like, the basement stuff. Not okay. the basement they live in, the basement of the, the secret basement. Mm-hmm. The, the spoiler basement, if you've not seen it somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that's much more visually stark in the colour version because it's all, like, just grey and monotone. Whereas if you're watching the whole film in black and white, it's sort of blurs those lines more so i think it okay puts everyone else kind of on a level kind of playing field visually which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting um 
but otherwise there's not much more to add to it black and white but it is you know it still works in black and white which is good hmm. but uh but sarah i think you have some some opinions on this film that aren't towing the party yeah line. that's it yeah um <laughs> i don't know i kind of to be honest didn't like it Ooh, yeah I, I know <laughs> <laughs> like i mean and again i i think it's probably probably is good in a lot of ways and it, it just didn't gel with me but it, it was in ways that really annoyed me like in particular i just i really didn't like certain parts of the the violence okay. really made me uncomfortable and not not because i felt oh no this movie shouldn't have violence but in particular there's kind of two two parts which one was um you know when the poor families are all fighting it out they're all kind of in a big mass on the floor uh, pulling at each other's hair and yeah be- like re- wrestling mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. the rich people kind of watch them or yeah the, like basically the rich people have kind of caught them i kind of felt that that was weirdly l- inviting the audience to laugh like i don't understand what the point of that was it just seemed really mean-spirited in in a film that you know probably shouldn't be okay like that's fair. similar i remember I was, yeah i was talking with my brother about the kind of there, there are. It's kind of similar to me to in the the Lord of the Rings movies, the way that you know that you know when like Gollum is talking to himself, and a lot of people find that funny, yeah. and it's like it's not really. Okay. There's no jokes being made or anything, but it's yeah. nearly like the film is kind of tempting you to laugh, or it's like leaving it open mm. so that you can laugh. I feel like that's it's similarly happening in Parasite at that moment, and. I watched The Host, one of his other films. It's just there's kind of a similar moment where there's like a poor family are like mourning the fact that their their one of their uh, yeah that their daughter has died, and similarly they're all kind of like lying on top of each other like crying hysterically and stuff. But it's kind of funny, like it it's set up to be kind of comical, uh, and. Like it's just kind of moments like that. Like maybe there's maybe I'm missing something in translation or something, but it, like it just seemed to me like yeah. The, similarly, when the uh, you know the the woman who falls down the stairs and like bashes her head, like I remember people in the cinema laughing, and I don't think they were wrong to laugh either. Like I f- feel like that was set up as like the, the way that that scene was set up. That was kind of a comedic take. Um. Yes, I know. I know the exact thing you mean. I remember distinctly watching it the first time, and I also when she does the kick, I laughed. But the second she hits the bottom step, and like you hear her head crack, like I think it's trying to bait you into laughing there. Yeah. I think that's meant to be a laugh, but then I'm going to pull the rug out and like make you think you shouldn't be laughing at this. And mm-hmm. that, that is sort of a dickish to directing to do, but I don't really fault that. Mm-hmm. And I think the broader point you're making, I don't disagree with. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt because he seems like a nice mm. man. Uh, saying that maybe it is a loss in translation because I think now I haven't seen the host, but the scene you're describing there and the one in Parasite, I feel like maybe it's meant to be laughed at, not so much in a laughing down at them kind of way, but more just the absurdity of the image. Like I think the idea of all that crying does sound. I can see how that would be funny as like just a slightly overwrought, absurd visual. Mm-hmm maybe but that's that's probably the only defense mm. i can think of yeah like i suppose it just it does seem like that in parasite that the poor are kind of depicted in ways that the rich aren't in like a more slovenly way um like right. in particular or another thing that kind of i didn't like was the motif of smell that went through the film mm. um so I, and I, I don't 
disagree with the idea that like oh if people are poor maybe they don't get to wash their clothes as often like that that make that tracks but the idea that the wealthy have like a better sense of smell have a more like sensitive nose or especially kind of good at recognizing smells kind of has weird connotations to me because I think the idea that like rich people are more sort of sensitive more sophisticated have more sophisticated palates and things these are kind of really dangerous stereotypes that should be challenged in films like this okay um i actually yeah i hadn't thought of it that way i do agree with you in terms of that reading of it Mm -hmm. i think i didn't think about the smell thing in that i just took it more as a an indictment of the richer people because it sort of proves that they, their life is so sterile and they just like they get their they, they live in their their big mansion on the hill and then they get like chauffeur driven to the office mm. like there's no point where they have to engage with like anything but their own smell like they don't have to mix the general population mm. so it's not necessarily that their smell is more like sensitive it's more just that they're they're in their own like echo chamber mm-hmm. smell wise if that allegory makes sense um so they're just used to that whereas anything anything new is like immediately Mm. an enemy to them almost which i think is probably a a reasonably damning view of the rich but that's again i think that's one thing that you can definitely take it either way and i think yeah your reading is not invalid or anything it's Mm. i had not thought of it that way but yeah that's that's not that's not unreasonable Mm. yeah i don't know i mean they're not you know they're not necessarily deal breakers i like Mm. it sort of is for me but i understand why it shouldn't be for for other people because yes you can read these things in 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 many ways um, what did you think about the ending as well? Because I'm just curious about the guy coming up to yeah murder the father of the poor family, murdering the father of the rich family. Like, was it very? Because I haven't seen that movie, it just it made me think that it was what the Joker was going to be like. But I don't know if it was or wasn't. <laughs> um, I hadn't really thought of comparing the two, but yeah, now do you say it? That is kind of the Joker's like, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, he replaced Rich Father with uh, Robert De Niro. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought the ending was weird, but I also feel like once you've got that many plates in the air, I don't really know how you end that mm, kind of film. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, I thought in, following like the emotion of those characters' mm. arcs, I thought him murdering him made sense. Mm. That's just like a rash thing to do. Because um, like you'd just seen him like, uh, well, uh, he has to think because that character doesn't know they're a family so to him he just saw like one of his staff get stabbed yeah. and he doesn't care whereas he's like that's my daughter and like I, yeah i get i think it, it does make sense for him to do mm. the murder oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um no it, it to- sorry it totally does like it totally does oh, I, I i i would i would actually i remember yeah i was reading something which is like saying like there's nothing wrong with the murder in fact the murder is probably the right thing it's just that mm. they kind of portray it as though it's like a horror or a tragedy or something where it's like nah like uh, that's got you gotta shiv the rich like that's <laughs> like let's not act as though this is something <laughs> sad that's happened i guess my reading that would be that yeah no it, it's it's morally justified oh, that's a lots of strong sense it's um <laughs> is justifiable within reason of his yeah whatever um but that the reason it would be framed as a tragedy well i thought anyway was more for him opposed to the person he killed because mm. that's that's his life over because like he's not getting out of that one like if he gets caught he will be arrested he will be put to jail like there's no way of him getting like a lawyer that i can get him out of or something so i think the tragedy of the 
depiction is more that he's just decided to basically end his own life mm. by getting that kind of act of petty revenge. Mm. Not even petty revenge, but it's kind of on the cosmic scale, like it doesn't change yeah. anything. It just sort of makes him feel momentarily better. That's that would be my take of why it's depicted as a tragedy, not because oh no, a poor mm. man go die now. It's more just like because he, he does end his life because he's trapped in the yeah, basement yeah. forever after that. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah no, again, I, I it's <laughs> it's open to more interpretation than I necessarily realized initially. But uh, yeah, theme for me this year is that I kind of I just want kind of less subtlety <laughs> now. <laughs> like uh, you know, I think that there ultimately for me there was kind of a little bit too much room to read in your own view on the rich family yeah, and on yeah. the poor family. Whereas I just like a film that was like actually the rich family 100% bad sorry guys that's you know like um but you know so knives out but without yeah. the, the small bit of old white man saves the day pretty much yeah but uh you know yeah that's that's my take i think that's not unfair i remember before it came out like i heard about it a lot and i heard people saying that it was um it didn't demonize either of them and i was like that's interesting mm. but i also remember thinking but why doesn't it demonize yeah them? yeah and you know which one i mean <laughs> Exactly. But I, yeah. yeah. I did think it made for a good balancing act though, because I think if if one of them, if the rich ones were like obvious monsters, it would have it wouldn't have been able to like last as long as it did. Like I feel like the joy of it kind of the joy mm. the enjoyment of it is kind of the fact that it's there aren't really any villains in it for the most part. Even though like there are mm. in like a in a cultural sense there is, but like on a immediate like one to one there isn't. And I think it makes it more watchable mm-hmm. and like it means it can kind of the tension of it and the that setup can last longer mm-hmm. before it falls apart because they don't hate the rich family so it's sort of just we'll take our our share of this that we can like eke out but we're not going to like we're not going to murder them until we mm-hmm. do but uh yeah no I, I don't i don't disagree with what you just said because i had the same thought before i saw it but um hmm Mm. Well, you know. complicated, complicated feelings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so the the last one, which is the shared one, um, which mm. I did, I don't really have a number one of the year, but this is probably as close as I'll get mm. to it. But uh, this is another Netflix release. Uh, Charlie Kaufman's "I'm Thinking of Ending Things." Mm. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it because I don't fully know what the plot was mm. after watching it. I have an idea and I have an interpretation, but I don't know that's what the actual story mm. was. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you have any broad anchoring thoughts to start us mm, off with? Um, well, yeah, I can't say that I even got as far as you have in terms of what it might mean. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this, yeah, I don't know if this is a weird thing, but I kind of, in a way, wish that it had all been just them driving in the car. Like I found that incredible. Mm, I, I found that mean. so hypnotic mm-hmm. and just yeah, uh, yeah, really. Like the rest was great. Well, yeah, I'd nearly like have three separate films or two separate films. There's a rare film that can probably hold your attention like that, but they they really did. It was great. I think I'd have been content if it was the initial car bit, the house bit, and then the second car bit. I think the very last, okay. what, like 10, mm-hmm. 50, stuff from the high schools where I was like, mm, okay, this is kind of breaking down a bit and me. I'm kind of losing this right a bit. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like the very, very end in the high school is sort of what's meant to explain, mm-hmm. quote unquote, what's happening. Um, hmm. Okay, I didn't even. But no, I agree. That. I think the, the stuff on the car was great. Sorry, I was sorry, that... I didn't even realize that the end was supposed to like tie it together. Really, you know, like other like I, yeah, that, that, that's yeah, that makes sense. The version <laughs> I've heard of it is that 
the well, thing I read recently was that it's, and I kind of got a sense of this while watching it, that the, the janitor is the protagonist and it's all his fantasy of mm-hmm. what he'd like a relationship to be, but even like his own fantasy kind of gains her own, what's the word look for here? Not uh, sentient okay. so much as agency. Yeah, okay. Um, and like that last shot of him was in the car, like collapsing or fainting from hypothermia or whatever it was. Just like that's the last. This is all like the last gas of his mind as he okay. dies, I guess. Huh. Like that bit in the high school, and it's like it's the play on stage. I did think that was like him, like sort of saying to the universe, "This is what I deserve. I deserve like where's my parade kind of thing." Because mm-hmm. um, he's just like a he's your your average blue collar American. Mm-hmm. and who's who's back the country is built on kind of thing like where's where's my accolades mm-hmm. um but yeah no i agree like it's mainly just the fact that it is so like hypnotic and once i got to the house it was genuinely quite creepy because i actually mm-hmm. remember thinking in the initial car but i'm getting vague hereditary vibes off this for some reason oh, okay. i couldn't explain it any other house than there is tony Collette. i was like oh well here we are <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, no, it was great. Yeah. The way like the like the background changes and the costumes change, like mm. the really subtle stuff that sort of starts getting weird initially before yeah. you realize that it is just totally nonlinear and just nonsense. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say about it. I just I thought it was great. Jesse Buckley is phenomenally good. Yeah. I've not seen her anything bar this, I don't think. Okay. I, know, I remember you mentioned the other thing she was in a couple of years ago. Yeah, Wild Wild, Wild Rose. Wild Rose, mm-hmm. yes. Um yeah. yeah, she's incredible, and so is Plemons. He's always good. Mm. Uh, did you think while watching it that because it's a Charlie Kaufman movie that that would have been played by Seymour Hoffman? Were he still around? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's all I can think about. Ah. I felt like this is the closest I can get to Seymour Hoffman that's and Jesse Plemons. Point, actually, and it's, yeah, like, it's so similar. It's almost that's, uncanny. Yeah. I feel like he's an impression of him sometimes. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I hadn't thought of it, but like, yeah, they they look quite alike and stuff. That's that's a good call. I think. Um, I mean, a lot of the the, the, the dialogue was, was was great, but I, I love just um the, you know the opening, which is basically Jesse Buckley's character talking about how great a time or to her is she talking? Who knows? Is it her? Is it not her? Is, um, but you know her uh, voice over talking mm-hmm. about you know how great a time she's having with the Jesse Clemens character, um, and then you know then ending it with uh, I'm thinking of, of ending things it was just, it was just like a really amazing kind of snapshot of yeah your desire to self sabotage that like when when everything seems to be going right for once so it was a really good way of like introducing the movie I think which I guess also kind of ties into like Bavarium and Palm Springs and that like mm. this perfect base level of contentment isn't really enough like you need something more than just ticking mm. along. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like it's a film I'd, I'd struggle to recommend to anyone, I think, because it's, mm. it requires so much like homework and effort on your on the viewer's part. But I, I just thought it was like mm. so engrossing and just enrapturing and just incredible. Yeah. It's based on a book or a novella that I'm quite yeah. curious to read now, which is allegedly quite different, at least in the ending. Um, so I guess that's 2020, guys. Yeah. Uh, well done surviving it. Uh, any particular film looking forward to next year? I don't know because any of the many cancelled slash yeah, pushed back films. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, I would. I'm really hoping we will see the new version of Candyman. Oh yes. Um. Yes. Yeah. That. But. Yeah. Again, will we? I don't know. <laughs> what about you? I'm shocked that one didn't go to VOD yet. I think Mia yeah, Costa was very adamant yeah. that it wouldn't. Uh, I think okay. she probably fought for it. So I'm glad because I wouldn't mind seeing that in cinema. Um. Mm. And also, again, I don't want another female director of this film just dumped on VOD. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after so many politics, after all that <laughs> politics and all that like 
films directed by women to now say that the film I'm looking forward to most is probably the new Bond movie. Yay. Uh, we'll probably even things out of it. Um, We've just got 50% of our viewers back. Right. <laughs> it's okay, friends. I am a friend of the chauvinism. Uh, welcome welcome back to the warm embrace of <laughs> the woman hating hour or whatever it is now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm sure there's other more worthy films. I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing, is it Promising Young Woman? I've heard very okay. strange things about it and I, I don't know what way it'll go, but I think it's going to be one of those exhausting discourse films. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds interesting. Good. Yeah, hopefully it will be a good year and in 12 months time we'll be here <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember everything again. Yeah. <laughs> That's Ivan Richard. That's been Sarah. Yeah. Uh, see you who knows when. Yeah. See you then. <laughs>